I know about Nigella is that she is incredibly sexy and she sexualizes food. Yeah, I appreciate it. And she's always like, make sure you use full fat butter. <laughs> I insist. I insist. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's great. She's great. Awesome. Love her. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm quite well. It's our first time recording at night. Yes, it is night time. Oh, I've got a squeaky chair. Mm. We normally record in the afternoon. Yeah, I I like this. Like witching hour. <laughs> it's in fact not the witching hour. No. Isn't that three? Is that three a.m.? I actually I think so. Yeah, it's in the BFG. Oh, it is too. Yeah. Not in the witches. No, because <laughs> witches witch all the time. That's true. That sounded like a Sondheim lyric. Mm. Yeah. Which witch is which? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're a loser. Oh, dear. oh, man. So, hello and welcome to my favorite musical, the podcast. Yes, that's right. This is the podcast for our favorite musicals. If you're wondering who we are, I'm Josephine. I'm Ruth. Hello. Hello. Uh, we are here to talk about our favorite musicals. Yay. It's episode 10. Did you know that, Ruth? Oh, it is too. Yeah, episode 10. 10. That's yeah. exciting. It actually really is. Yeah. Everyone said we wouldn't make it. Everyone on the grapevine, that's what's been said. Yes. But they were wrong. They were so wrong. Yeah, we're here. Yep, we're here. We're here we're for episode 10. Before we get into the lighthearted stuff, I would like to continue our amazing uh, spotlighting of, oh, there's my egg shaker, <laughs> of um, people of colour in musical theatre. Yes. And would you like to start or would you like me to start? Sure, I can start this week. Go for it, Ruth. So this week I wanted to highlight um, – a performer writer called Griffin Matthews. Oh, yes. Who, um, so I think he might be on a show. I actually, this is me again, like not knowing people from the actual popular culture things they're known for, only for like musical theatre stuff. Yes. It's on a show called Dear White People, I believe, um, or was. Um, and recently with all of the Black Lives Matter um, protesting and everything that's been happening over the death of George Floyd in America, he released a video that was basically like, basically calling out Broadway for some of the racist behaviours that he experienced there. Mm. Um, And specifically the reason I wanted to talk about him is the show that he's referencing. um, I actually saw Off-Broadway when it was there. Oh, wow. And it is one of the most affecting shows I've ever seen. And it's one of the very few shows that I've seen where I just go, why hasn't that been anywhere else. So um, what he talks about in the video is basically, so he, he was both the lead and um, co-writer with his now husband, um, Matt Gould Mm -hmm. um, of a show that was originally called witness Uganda. And they changed the name. This was a, I saw it at second stage in about late 2015, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they changed the name to Invisible Thread for that production. I yes. believe that the the show has since changed its name back to Witness Uganda. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, really? Oh, well. I think when it was re-performed last year, they changed the name back. Really? Yeah, because he, like, and he talks about in this video how he didn't, I don't think he wanted the name change to begin with. Right. Um, and, yeah, so in this video he kind of, so the show itself was about 
his own experiences with his now husband. They traveled to Uganda for like an aid, as an aid worker and they actually ended up starting a nonprofit um, Amazing. called um, the Uganda Project. And, yeah, it was basically about like um, getting college education for, um, you know, some of these Ugandan students that they worked with. Mm. And, yeah, it was just like – a really affecting piece of theatre and I just – I remember crying so much watching it. And, and it's a musical. It's a musical. It's yeah. a full-on musical, yeah. yeah. And um, so in this he just basically called out like a lot of like the white producers involved and the white female director and um, and this sort of thing about sort of never listening to his voice, uh, particularly as a person of colour and what that brings to the, to the show and just – basically treating him in a way that he feels like that he wouldn't have been treated had he not been a person of colour. Yeah. Um, and again, like I'm I sure will say, right. like it's it's one of the only, you know, I've seen a lot of shows over there. It's one of the only ones that I'm like, what what has happened to that show? Yeah. Why did I never, why did that never go on to any sort of commercial run anywhere else? Well, I feel the same uh, same way about um, Bella that I yeah. spoke about last week. Yeah. Um, the American uh, Tall Tale just like, yeah, why Why yeah. isn't this part of our musical theatre vernacular? Why yeah. is this not more widely known? Yeah. Why are we not hearing these stories? Yeah. That's my, yeah. Yeah, so. Wow, what a, what a guy. Definitely watch his video. Um, it's it's available out there. Um, and and is there any way we can access Invisible Thread? No, I've sorry, looked. Sorry, Witness Uganda. Yeah, I've looked and um, unfortunately not. I mean, Gosh. I think. I know that they did another production last year, um, I think in LA maybe. Um, So I hope that that, that there's still a possibility for it to have a life And so there's no cast recording? No, no, nothing. I would love it to be. I think there's a few videos on YouTube like that were like highlights from that um, second stage production. Well, maybe we can um, link to some of those. Yeah, we'll link to some of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow, that sounds But I really do hope it goes somewhere um, because – it, it was amazing that it was based on a true story. Yeah. And then the music was really incredible as well. Jeez. Yeah, I loved it. What I a talent. It. Yeah. Okay, so today, and I actually mentioned this incredible lady last week. It's, um, I want to talk about Camille A. Brown. Oh, yeah. Who is an incredible dancer. She's a choreographer, an educator, a director, and to be honest, like about a million other things. She's like an activist, all sorts of amazing things. She has a bio that's just like a mile long, which is outstanding considering she's only 41. Mm, Um, So she was the choreographer on Once on This Island, the um, revival. Yeah, wow. Um, as well as she choreographed the Jesus Christ Superstar Live. Um, oh, that and the choreography in that was excellent. Oh, I thought honestly, like the minute you, if I, if I, because I'm going to tell you some more of these yeah. productions. If you recognise any of them, you will straight away know how powerful her choreography yeah. is. So she also did a Streetcar Named Desire, the Broadway um, production, and the musical I mentioned last week, Bella and American Tall Tale. Yeah by Kirsten Childs. Last year, um, Camille Brown was actually nominated for a Tony Award for her choreography choreography <laughs> on the play Choir Boy. Oh, I didn't get to see that and I wanted to see it yeah. so badly. It looked incredible. Incredible. So you can watch some you can watch some YouTube videos. And they did it, didn't they do a performance at the Tony Awards last they year? They did indeed. Yeah. So I highly recommend you check that out. Her choreography is quite I mean it, it's it's beautiful and it's quite recognizable, I would say. Mm. Like she's definitely got a style. I reckon you should go now and watch the YouTube video um, New Second Line. It's a TED 
like it's it's a, a TED talk. Okay. But it's basically um, it's a performance piece with this like insanely beautiful music. There's an incredible pianist at the beginning. Actually, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, and yeah, she's choreographed it. It's about like the story of this performance piece is about the resilience and like sort of culture of black people in New Orleans, particularly after Katrina. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Right. It's this beautiful, like I love I love dancing and musicals, but what she does is she tells story through dance. Yeah. And it's so affecting. Um so she also has this amazing performance piece called Ink, which you can also watch on YouTube. Um, in her words, Ink is about reclaiming African Americans' narratives by showcasing their authenticity. It celebrates ritual, gestural vocabulary, traditions that remain ingrained within the lineage of the um, African diaspora. So it's really just all about like her thing. So obviously, like she's she's an incredibly strong black woman who is changing the game of choreography yeah. in, on Broadway, but also she is definitely an activist. Um, for like stopping the silencing of black narratives. So she's yeah. all about that. So she has this huge body of work really working towards that and she's amazing. She definitely got robbed of that, Tony, I think. Um, but, yeah, watch her choreography. She's incredible. Yeah, mm. amazing. Yeah. Very so good. That, that's, um, that's our spotlight section. Excellent. And do, you, do you have any apologies this week? Oh, apologies. I don't, I don't think so. We're, no. we're perfect. <laughs> we're not. I'm uh, just. He's just a blanket I'm apology. Being glib. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. What about? Are we going to do our? Oh, theater explained. Theater explained. What are we doing this week? Theater explained. New segment. Here's our little. Oh. <laughs> oh. That, that's in. That's our test. Um, let's just see. Give us some yeah. feedback on how that worked for you. <laughs> if the finger symbols you don't like it. Held up. Um, okay, so today's theater explained is what is a sung through show like slash rock opera. Mm. So, well, can I start? Please, go for it. So, to me, rock operas fall into the category of sung through shows. Thank you for saying that because, yes, I think sung through is like a broad umbrella term. Yes. And then under that term are some like more specific genres. Yes. And I would say like sung through is used sometimes, through composed is used sometimes as well. But basically. um, Yes, through composed as in it's hyphenated. So it's sung through. Yes. Sung through, through composed, and the essential thing is that any dialogue is set to music um, and done as a like a recitative mm-hmm. um, where... Recitative really just means like it's sort of spoken sung almost. Yes. So it's, yes, exactly. Speak singing, yeah. whatever. It's like kind of an opera term, isn't it? It is, Originally. yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, like when we're then... So like, I think people use op- rock opera... Rock operas are definitely bandied around a lot. Yeah, and I think it's because like so a lot of people call Jesus Christ Superstar the first opera. In fact, The Who's Tommy is probably the first rock opera. Yeah. Um, and really we're just talking about a sung through musical that is in a rock style. Yeah, that right? has like a, and also is accompanied by like a rock band. Yes, true. Um, in, instead of like a traditional orchestra, for yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so obviously there's been – quite a few rock operas over the years. Yes. Even like when people talk, well, you know, when you mentioned Hadestown. But that's a folk that They opera. call that folk opera. Yeah, that's right. Um, but then, you know, like lots of shows are just sung through, lots and lots. Well, yeah, that's right. It, there, it's a huge list. And, I mean, you can sort of get, you get a little pedantic about the definition, but it's really just like no spoken dialogue really. Yeah. That's the definition, right? Yeah. So we're talking about things like Les Mis, Hamilton, 
Yeah. The last five years. And interestingly, like, Joseph, well, actually, no, I, I don't call last five years a sung through show. There's there's actual dialogue. He does yes, a whole monologue. Yeah. He does a whole monologue from his book. Do you know that it's actually classified as sung through? Oh, I Because I, ch- I, did, I did this research and I was surprised too, but I was like, okay. Mm. I saw like I did see a list where they considered a whole bunch of shows where there is very little dialogue. Oh, right. So like Phantom, for example, falls yep. into that category where there's some but very little. Interesting. The list yeah. I saw didn't mention Phantom but it mentioned like Tell Me on a Sunday, Evita, yeah, Joseph. But, yeah, in my head Evita. Definitely, yes. Those yeah. ones I agree with. I agree that Last Five Years is a bit iffy. Well, I think I think the reason I think Last Five Years is a bit iffy is just because it's like singular songs and not like I think of sung through as like the music kind of replaces the the like often but it's not like the dialogue in the last five years actually is integral to the development and moving through of the story like no but it's also very much not set to music yeah it's very that's much what just that's the life. reason I don't consider it oh, this is another reason why the last five years is so weird yeah don't you think that's strange like yeah there's no dialogue and then bam monologue yeah, and like there's a few phone calls and stuff that happen. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, like oh, that's so interesting because whereas I think of obviously shows like Avita and that there's lots of music that is I would otherwise be dialogue yeah. that is sung. Yeah. And to me, that's what a, a through composed show is. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So that well, should we talk about then like operetta and opera? Like Yeah. So obviously opera Well we know um, what an opera well, is. Well these are all operas, really. Yes. Like like opera in the in the, in the in strictest that we mean sense that, of the term. Yes, they are all operas. Yeah, that's right. Um everything is sung. And yeah. I actually think that when we talk about rock opera, it is also talking about like quite a dramatic over the top style often yes. as well, in the way in the sense that we refer to like the classical art form of opera. Mm. They sort of mean like they've taken that and Being, put it into a yeah, rock context. Reimagined, yeah. 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 And then operetta is obviously that period of time, Gilbert and Sullivan mm. being the sort of classic example yeah. where, again, it is sung through. No, not always sung through. Not always right? sung through. I think that's really the main distinction is mm. that there is potentially dialogue. And that the music's just that bit lighter. and Yeah, it's, it's certainly more about style. The yeah. operetta to certainly lighter. It's usually some sort of comedy too, right? Like an operetta is yeah, generally I a comedy. So. I certainly have never seen a serious operetta. <laughs> no, I can't imagine. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. has been Theatre Explained with Ruth and Josephine. Excellent. Um, do you have any recommendations this week? Okay, so because I last week I spoke about Little Women, yeah. my recommendation this week is to watch the just, okay, literally anything on YouTube with Sutton Foster. <laughs> But particularly, and I know we've already mentioned it, but you must watch her do Show Off from the Drowsy yes. Chaperone yep. at the Tony Awards. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Insane. Insane. Like she mm. – there's also this video. I think it's from a, the channel that I've already recommended, Mr. Yeah. Go Lightly, where it's like who are the true triple th- triple threats on Broadway? Yeah. And she's the most obvious one and sort of the first one that yeah. they talk about because she's a proper triple threat. Like definitely the the – the most triple threat person I, I can think of. Oh, like, yeah. Like lots of people can sing and dance. The best at all three. The best at all three, yeah. And she's like exceptional at all three and she's good enough to be a leading lady without having any dancing in the role, for example. Like, yeah. Yeah, so watch that video. Also, you should watch her do Astonishing from Little Women. I think yeah. she did it on like the Today Show or something. <sighs> yeah. She, she Even if you don't like the tone of her voice because it's, it's a very brassy Broadway sound. She's I, amazing. 
yeah, she's up so up there for me. Oh, she's up there for me too. Um, what I will recommend then related to that yeah. is her doing Anything Goes, oh, the number yes, Anything so Goes, which I think she does at the Tonys, but there's also a video of her doing it in rehearsal yeah. when they're rehearsing for it because she has to like tap up a storm she taps like a and nutter. then like yeah. belt the shit out of something. <sighs> but also when Jonathan Groff learnt the exact – choreography from that this, and does like, the entire sweat. number and he's not he's not a dancer no but he learns it because he he is obsessed with her i have there's this photo that lin-manuel miranda posted where it was like it was um jonathan groff stage dooring sutton foster yes. in like thoroughly modern millie yes. of them those two and then when she came to see hamilton there's a photo of the two of them and it's and it's like lin says something like if you keep working like long enough one day you're stage door idols or stage door you or something oh, like that and it's nice. so beautiful the, i think it is at the beginning of that video or there's some other video where jonathan groff is like introducing sutton foster and he's like you're famously good at everything yeah <laughs> yeah he seriously he's like obsessed crash. with her yeah as he should be totally justified yeah yep. yeah excellent good recommendations um, yeah so well i can't believe i haven't recommended this before but my books this week are the two books of Sondheim's lyrics and the oh analysis God, that yes. goes with them. Um, the first is called Finishing the Hat yes, and the second is. is called Look, I Made a Hat. And they're both big hardcover books. Yeah, they're huge. They're yeah. like tomes. I can't remember um, what the cross point is. I think it stops – I think maybe Into the Woods might be one of the first one in the second book or something like that. Right. I can't remember. It's like late 80s sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. That's They're amazing. amazing. You should definitely get them if you love Sondheim. Do you know that I think, I think I'm going to get, well, I'm, I'm going to get a tattoo and I think it's going to be finishing the hat. Just, that's what it's always going to say. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Cause it means a oh, fucking lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I could ever get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super soft. I don't even have my ears pierced. But also you've got that pristine skin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I have a couple of others. Um, we mentioned this, I think, in a previous episode, but I just wanted to reiterate that it's on Netflix. So if you are looking for something to watch, the documentary about the original cast of Merrily We, we Roll Along, Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened, yeah. is on Netflix and it is excellent. You will be hearing more about Merrily soon <laughs> but and also like this is legitimately such a good documentary yeah it really um, is the other thing that's on netflix that's sort of related to what we've been talking about is the play american sun which um was so it's kerry washington um uh, for, you might know from scandal and several other tv shows and the funny thing was when i saw this play on broadway it was um uh stephen pasquale and jeremy jordan are both oh, in it and they have two of my favorite voices in the entire world and just Stunning. the idea of like seeing them in a play together i was like but but what if can't they sing I just want them to <laughs> sing at me. Like literally like Stephen Pasquale, if you have that voice, that voice is Where did that come from? Stunning. He, I don't think he's trained either. When, you know, I first fell in love with him, um, was it A Man of No Importance? Yes. Streets of, Streets of Dublin. I love that song so and much. And remember back then we didn't know who he was. No. So we were like, who is this? When he did Bridges of Madison County oh. on Broadway, it was his Broadway debut. It was. Because he went off he's like TV a, He's a TV years. star. Yeah. 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 Anyway. And so like, yeah, no one knew he could sing like yeah. that. And he, his voice is like butter. Yeah. Like I it think, is stunning. Do you know I think Shane looks a bit like him? Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> Shane is very handsome. And anyway, but back to the <laughs> back to the point of hand. So American Sun, it's a really 
intense play. It's it's all one act, but and they filmed it for Netflix. I haven't watched it on Netflix, but I saw it on Broadway, and it is basically about a couple whose um, son has been taken in by the police, basically. Um, and so I don't want to give anything away, but it is to it is to do with everything that we are talking about in the world right now. Yeah, and it is a really great play. It's very relevant. Yeah. So it's on Netflix. They filmed it for Netflix, so I believe it's sort of like half a filmed live show and half a movie. So it's on Australian Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I need to watch it because, like, I just want to see what they've done with it. Yeah, um, But, yes, great. I remember just, like, not really being able to move from my seat at the end of the play because it was so full on. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Definitely I, watch it. I feel that way every time I see Angels in America. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I love that ending monologue as well in Angels yeah. in America. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Should so, we talk about shows? Yeah, because it's our episode 10. Mm. We have pre-talked about what we're talking about. And I think even though I went first last week, I think I should go first again this week. Oh, okay. Because I think you should be the closer of this episode. Oh, whatever. whatever, whatever Do you whatever. agree? I'm fine. Whatever. All right. Okay. So, Ruth, for our 10th episode, yeah. I keep going to say 10th anniversary. It's not. <laughs> it's not what that means. We've been friends for a lot longer than that. That's true. Oh, nice. <laughs> Our 10th episode, I'm going to talk to you about one of my favourite musicals, The Sound of Music. No. I know. Cute. Bless. Bless. Okay, so I've honestly always, like, always, always loved the movie, right? The yeah. Sound of Music. It's an absolute favourite of my mum's. Like, I remember watching it as a child. It was always on TV when I was a kid. Like, I remember on any given weekend, you would either be able to watch The Wizard of Oz or The Sound of Music. Like, Definitely. They were just the movies that were on TV. Um, so I just like, I always knew it. I always loved it. And I actually saw the Australian revival in 1999 at the Lyric Theatre with, um, Lisa McKeon and John Waters. Yeah. So, and even though I'm not a big fan of like either of those people, I was 10 and I fell in love like properly with the stage. Yeah. Right. I just remember the whole, and I still remember this feeling the whole time, just like wanting to bust out of my seat mm. and get on stage, um, because I was a little baby narcissist, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, okay, so some background. This is uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, if you – I'm sure you knew that. This was their eighth and final show. Oscar Hammerstein died of stomach cancer nine months after the Broadway wow. debut. Yeah, premiere, I should say. It was actually originally intended for this – for The Sound of Music to be a play based on the memoir by Maria von Trapp titled The Trapp Family Singers. Mm. So it was basically like uh, at the time Mary Martin, the big Broadway star who had just like won a Tony for Peter Pan, her husband was a producer. I actually can't remember his name um, but he like read the book and thought that this would be a really great project for Mary Martin to, to be in this place. So it was sort of earmarked for her and these writers were brought on board, Howard Lindsay and Leslie Krauss. So they were just going to include – there was going to be a play that would include some of the original – like Von Trapp family songs. Yeah. Like those traditional oh, okay. sort of yep. folk songs. Yep. So it was going to have like, like a play with music. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was going to be their repertoire. Yeah. But then like I think they asked Rogers and Hammerstein to like maybe write one song. But then it sort of was decided that actually they should just write all original numbers for the show. And then it sort of took off from there. Yeah. So they some dramatic liberties were taken with the real story, which I'll get into, but I'm going to assume that everyone knows the storyline of The Sound of Music. So I'm just going to skip the plot part. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm ba- I <laughs> when think, I get to mine, I'm basically doing the same thing. Yeah, so. like I, I, think you, I think you all know. So, okay, productions. This is actually another production that tried out at the Schubert Theatre in New Haven. Oh, lovely. Which I think everything just – anyway. 
everything tries out there. It only had eight tryouts and then it had like this super short tryout in Boston where the song Edelweiss was actually written. It was written in oh, Boston. Right. Like at the very so last like eight minute. performances do you mean? Eight, no, like eight previews. Oh, oh that's yeah. It. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Yeah, eight performances. Eight performances in it, that's New Haven. It. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and then they were like, oh. take this show to Broadway. That's Wow. It was such a brief period. And considering too, like, so Oscar Hammerstein just wrote Edelweiss, like, bam, yeah. in the Boston tryouts. That was actually the last song he ever wrote. Oh, um, that's beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful song, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it opened on Broadway at the Lunt Fontaine um, Theatre, November 16th, 1959. Yep. It then moved to the Mark Hellinger Theatre on November 6th, 1962, and it closed in 1963 after 1,443 performances. That's actually less than I would have thought. Much shorter than I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. So but I guess back then shows didn't run for that long. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Like that's probably at the time quite a long run. Yes, that would have been very successful. For a show that says sort of like commonly known as The Sound of Music, it doesn't sound like a big run. Mm. And interestingly, it – never sort of had that many performances which I'll get into all the major critics at the time completely panned the show wow completely like unanimously they said it was too sweet and sappy it just wouldn't work like they just hated it however because this is like Rogers and Hammerstein's last you know it was like their their big blockbuster yeah. that had so many great hits the over $2 million of advance tickets had already been sold before right. the show even Because they were opened. just so popular by Oh, that yeah. Stage. So, like, yeah. I think producers just didn't give a flying fuck what yeah. critics thought. And probably fair. Like, in the end, they were the, the producers were right. Like, it's not like those criticisms had any impact. No. The show is enduring. And like I mentioned on the Oklahoma episode, which Oklahoma is my favourite, Rogers and Hammerstein, the sound of music is definitely the most well-known mm. and probably the most popular to other people. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So the original Broadway cast album sold 3 million copies wow. and it was number one on the Billboard charts for 16 weeks. Wow. I mean, this is in 1959. Like it's – Yeah. That's a big deal. I actually have that like record. Like at the LP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Nice. So the show was nominated for seven Tony Awards. This is at the 1960s. Yeah. 1960 Tonys, I should say. Tied for Best Musical. <gasps> I, I think I know what with. With Fiorello. Yes, with Fiorello. <laughs> which is – Okay, this is crazy considering also Gypsy was up that year. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love looking through old Tony Awards to see what one wins. I know, right? Yes. So to think that like Gypsy and the Sound of Music and Fiorello were up for Best Musical, so then Fiorello and Sound of Music got it, but Gypsy just, no, nothing. Yeah, and the, obviously Fiorello just is, hasn't well, like, yeah, lasted. Yeah. So for context, it's about it's a musical about the um, New York City mayor, yes, yeah. Fiorello. Anyway. So Mary Martin also won Best Actress Tony that year. There was like whoever played, I think, the maybe the Mother Abbess got Best Featured Actress. Okay, yeah. It got like Best Scenic Design, a Best Musical Direction. It, it, you know, did well. It did won quite a few. Yeah, it did. Um, so then the musical premiered at the West End at the Palace Theatre in 1961 and it ran for 2,500 performances in London. Mm. So it had a longer run there, yeah. interestingly. I'm, I wonder if it's because it's a European story maybe. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is I there, think of it as being more successful in the UK. I think so reason. too. Yeah, I think so too. So it's had, it's had quite a few revivals and reimaginings in multiple countries. Yeah. Like 
Interestingly, though, there's only been one Broadway revival. Yeah, that's that's insane. It is right. So, I mean, like, I feel like every sort of every sort of major sort of Western country has had many sort of imaginings of the sound of music, but for it to only have been revived on Broadway once, I wonder if it's because, like, I know they're sort of working their way. And by the way, um, a term that I thought of the other day that we haven't really used, but gets used quite a bit when we've talked about like that reimagining of Oklahoma and we've talked about like they've done it with My Fair Lady and yeah. The King and I and like they, they call them change. they call them revisals um which oh, is like a term like that changes they use. are made yeah we're quite well and not just changes but like updating them sort of for a modern world and yeah. things like this so yeah revisal is the term like, I like sort that of cute term. little term that they use and I, I was just sort of thinking I wonder when, if like, the Santa music, the Santa music have a like, what would you do like is it that problematic it's not. Because most of the time that's what they're changing. Yeah. Well, I can't – and maybe someone can school me on mm. it if it is problematic, but I can't see how it it's is. It's not even like – it's to me it's not even like they've, they've even been very problematic with the casting or anything like no. that over the years. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably the reason. Yeah, why well, it's like a redo. What, what are you updating? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting actually. I hadn't really yeah. considered that. Well – so, yeah, that's that's it, one Broadway revival. But yeah. it also spawned the incredibly famous 1965 film starring Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer. Yes. Like, so I actually think that this show is a great – it's a great stage show but it's an exceptional movie. Yes, I the think. movie is excellent. The The movie to me is better than the stage show. Yeah. So, Which is pretty rare. It's pretty rare. I'm not, I'm not going to talk extensively about the movie but suffice it to say that I adore it. I love Julie Andrews passionately. Yeah. I, like everyone, have or slash had a pretty major crush on Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, just an excellent movie musical. It's I think it's possibly the best movie musical ever. Mm. Um, it, perhaps tied with Fiddler, but this one is it's really exceptional. Yeah. Um, See, unlike all these other old movies, I mean, I've seen this movie so many well, times. It really was on TV all yeah, the time. Yeah, like I have seen it a lot. I think the only problem with the movie is that it, it's quite long. <laughs> to the point where I don't know if you've got this on your list to talk about, but when I was a kid, we would try and tape it yeah. onto VHS. And of course, the so tapes we- are only three hours long. <laughs> yes. And so um, if you didn't tape out the ads, you wouldn't be able to fit it on a tape. And so it would normally run out basically as they go to escape is that or the wedding or it's around then. Yeah. Um, Well, the wedding is nowhere near the end of the movie either. No, no. Because a lot of people think that's the end of it. Half an hour left. But what we did find, I remember our tape player used to be able to, if you got the right tapes and you put it on long play, you could record six hours instead of three. So I finally got the entire show onto one tape. If you're sitting there and you're freaking out because you haven't seen The Sound of Music, it's not three hours. It's just because like Uh, when you watch it on TV, there's ads between. Yeah, there's lots of ads. It it is very long though. Also VHS was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, VHS. Oh, videotape. Um, if you're planning on watching it and you haven't yet, you just like just buckle up. It's a bit yeah. of a ride. Um, there was also a live production of the the show. Or like the live TV version. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was truly terrible. It's it's bad. It was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recommend you watch it. I don't recommend anyone ever watches it and that's all I shall say on the matter. <laughs> that's that. I, I do want to add. 
what well, two small things ready yes so it was the very first one yes. of these live, live tv, TV musicals yeah, yeah. so it was quite a big deal so we had a huge viewership oh, like yeah. millions and millions of people but also in the sound of music is it. so popular yes very true carrie underwood is maria disgusting and she belts almost the entire thing <laughs> it's so strange yes Lots of egg shakers everywhere. Just a terrible, terrible choices from top to bottom yes. there. Really bad decisions. So. The guy from True Blood is. Um, Which guy? Bill from True Blood. He's not in it. Is, what is that? Is Stephen Moyer? Is yes, he's the captain. God. Um, he's Captain Von Trapp and he ca- he's cannot sing. And his acting's quite bad in it too. I don't know. It was weird. Jeez. Meanwhile, though, Christian Ball and Laura Benanti are the, are the other two, Max and, Max and, and, and the Baroness. Elsa, yeah. Because, of course, are, like, you've got to have token Broadway stars. They are excellent. Of course they it. are. But you, you, I cannot state how, much, how it's important to have yes. a good Maria and a good captain. Yes. Ugh. Anyway, this, my research of this is mainly just fun facts. Yes. Because there's so Great. many fun facts. Okay, are you ready? So many fun facts. Oh, my gosh. Some of the major changes to the storyline were that, okay, originally Maria, the real Maria von Trapp, because this is all – it's based loosely on – Sorry, the, and Audrey McDonald is the mother abbess and oh, she kills it she, as well. Yeah, she Sorry, does I actually. just remembered that. No, you're right. But I still don't recommend you watch it. Just don't. No. <laughs> okay, so originally in the real-life uh, story, Maria was commissioned to teach only one of the captain's children. Actually, Marta was like quite sick, had scarlet fever or something. So, so she Maria was – at a convent, she was a, pros- a postulant, which is like an in-training nun, not quite a nun yet. And this captain asked the mother abbess to send a nun to look after the sick child. So she didn't originally go to look after all seven children. She did, in fact, though, fall in love with the children. Like she really, like we know from the famous story, she did really love the children. Although many of them were young children. They were right. sort of like adults. She and the captain did get married, although he was 25 years older than her. And they weren't in love when they got married. Oh. So that it wasn't like a love match. Later on, um, she has said, because he died not that long after. They had like three children together as well. So they ended up having <laughs> a whole bunch. It's not a love bunch. match, but. <laughs> ah, but and she yeah. said like she deeply loved him, yeah. of course. Um, the captain did object to the Nazis and left Austria pretty much the day before the Angelus. Right. So um, in the story, like in the in the Sound of Music, they sort of play that drama up a bit where they, the captain has to, the, the whole family have to escape. But what really happened was they decided to sort of leave just before like Hitler closed the borders. Okay. So where they didn't actually escape through the Alps because that also is geographically incorrect. <laughs> I've um, heard that before, yeah. <laughs> um, they didn't escape through the Alps. They just took a train to Italy and then um, emigrated to the States. So, yeah. A little more dramatic for the story, which yeah. that I understand. Yeah, yeah, but all of the intentions are the same. So I don't think I've told you this, but basically when I was a kid, we had an English translation of Maria's memoir. Okay. Like it was well, – because we had heaps of books when I was a kid. I always wondered like why that was something we owned. Yeah. seemed really random. Um, but it turns out actually that the Trap Family Singers toured Australia in 1954, right? I think, that, I, think I have heard that. Yes. Yeah. So they did this Australian tour. And when they toured, they actually toured a lot of regional areas. Uh, so they actually visited – when uh, they went to like far western New South Wales where I was born yeah. and grew up, they actually stayed at my great-grandfather's property. Oh, wow. Larola is the name of the property in the tiny town of Tamba Springs where I'm from. That's so, yeah. amazing. So literally like my great-grandfather hosted them, That's the Trap incredible. Family Singers, uh, in this like I cannot overstate how tiny 
my hometown is. Um, the whole place is basically just an homage to my family because we're the only ones who lived there. Yeah. But, yeah, that is pretty fascinating. So, yeah, my family is connected in some way to the Trapp family. That's very cool. Interestingly also, Maria von Trapp had already sold the rights to her story to a German film company who'd – like they'd – kind of a talk – produced a film version of the memoir like years before – the Sound the of Music. Stage show. Yeah, so she actually just got no money. She saw no oh, money. So they took in Australia years before the show happened then, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Well, because like obviously this had they started working sort of straight after, well, during and after the war. Yeah. So and they were like a pretty established sort of touring like group of yeah. singers. So yeah. Amazing. So yeah, they didn't see any money from the Sound of Music. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, interesting. the rights had already been on sold and, yeah. Yeah. So, bummer because that would have been a lot of money. Yeah. The show was, the Santa Music was originally titled The Singing Heart. Oh. Which is a terrible name. It is a terrible name. But I suppose that's why it was renamed because yes. that's very shit. And so the song Edelweiss, I have so many fun facts. Did I mention that? <laughs> Love it. The song Edelweiss is actually still commonly believed to be an Austrian folk song. That actually doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Like it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's also just a nice compliment to the composers yeah. that people think it's a, a traditional song. A real song. folk <laughs> song, yeah. <laughs> it is not. Um, so when she was Maria which was for over two years, Mary Martin actually only missed one performance. Oh, she's incredible, yeah. Incredible, but also like poor understudy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like imagine that. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, well, I think back in those days it was just like, yeah. you didn't there are, miss. There are a couple of performers who didn't miss, like famously mm. Ethel Merman's one of them yeah. and Mary Martin's another one yeah. who just like famously, you're if you're an understudy for one of those ladies, yeah. you're never going on. You're never going on, yeah. <laughs> I love that actually. So Julie Andrews wasn't the original choice for the film, which yeah. is always the way, right? Producers wanted Grace Kelly or Doris Day. Just let that sit in your mind, Grace. No, So crazy. You know, Doris Day actually excluded herself saying she was just too American for it, which she totally is. Good on her. Yeah. And also Grace Kelly, I don't think she can sing. Did she well, sing they in High Society? Well, wouldn't they have just dubbed it? Yeah. Oh, maybe she did. Yeah. I think she sang True Love in High Society. Okay. But probably not very well. But back then they were just like, eh, we'll dub it. Well, they dubbed they dubbed the captain's voice, oh, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, that's oh, not I his didn't voice. Know that. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's actually not one of my fun facts, but that is true. Yes. Um, it's also pretty well known, but Christopher Plummer had a crush on Julie Andrews Aww. during the shoot, which is pretty cute. Yeah, they're also like lifelong friends now. I love that. It's very nice. So. This is something I actually didn't know. Yeah. The songs I Have Confidence and Something Good were written for the film and they were added later oh, to the stage production. That was so common. So it actually means though Oscar Hammerstein didn't write. Oh, yeah. Like Richard Rogers wrote those on his own. On his own, Because yeah. Oscar had already died. So, But because like now those songs are added to the stage show, we sort of forget that it's they were It's still just not. Rogers and Hammerstein, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we forget that those songs weren't originally in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both of those songs are quite important, I think, so mm. I'm glad that they're there. Um, okay, so Gateway Songs. I actually had to think really long yeah. and hard about this. This is a really tough one. I think Edelweiss is it. Yes, I think so. I think. But you could also start with So Long Farewell, maybe the reprise when they're at the um, – when they're at the concert, yeah, like when the whole family performs "So Long Farewell," or maybe even just the sound of music. 
Yeah, I mean, also like Do Re Mi. Do Re Mi. Yeah. Um, there's The Lonely Goat Herd. There's oh, there's so many. Just so many. So many great songs. So on Spotify, the new Broadway cast recording is quite good. And when I say new, that's like 1998. But Who's Maria in that version? Oh. Rachel, someone or other. Because I know that I'm pretty L. sure Laura Benanti, that was her Broadway. She was like the understudy, I think, and she was like 16 or something. She would have had to be. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh, let me think now. Oh, I'll figure it out and I'll tell you. Yeah. she's She's got a lovely voice. Yeah. But if you're like me, you expect Julie Andrews to okay. sing the role. Was Is the film soundtrack on Spotify? Yes, it is. Okay. So this is the only time I'm going to say maybe just listen to the film yeah. soundtrack. Because it's, it's so iconic. so iconic. Yeah. So, yeah, just, yeah, no one's going to be mad at you if you listen to the film soundtrack. No. No one will judge you. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and I wasn't even going to mention that I did this show. But You've mentioned it before. I have. That's right. I just didn't want to harp on it. Yeah. But I've, I've done this show and it means a lot to me. Yeah. And um, it's it's special. It's a very special show. And I like, unlike Oklahoma, you, it's not problematic. Did it um, appreciate, like, did you like the show more after playing Maria or like? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. It It's quite a full on role. I probably didn't appreciate that and yeah. also it's a joyful role yeah it's probably the most joyful role I've ever played it's the most like I know like obviously I've seen you do a lot of roles over the years it's definitely the most um well I guess that's not true you played Sarah Brown when we did Guys and Dolls years ago that's you know when we became friends but um it's like one of the most classical roles I've ever seen you do that's yes. for sure but it also somehow just really suits my voice mm. like, well it's not like super soprano-y is it no in yeah. fact like in this is interesting in the stage version like the libretto that you get the song the sound of music is quite a bit lower than what she sings in in the film ah. so I actually asked them to raise it because it just didn't sit very nicely lower interesting and it doesn't sound that amazing when you yeah. when you don't have those high notes so yeah um, that is interesting. But yeah, Maria's not really, she's definitely a soprano, but not really like a legit soprano. So there yeah. are like the Lonely Goathead has like a high C, um, but it, it's not, it's not consistent. It's like soprano a char- it's almost like a character thing though. As yeah. Well, and, and I think actually the So Long Farewell um, reprise has a really high, I think it's an A, a flat maybe or something. Yeah. So it is a high role, but it's not that nothing that I couldn't do anyway. Yeah. And yet it's legit, but not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. It, it means a lot to me, the show. And it's And your special. mum was a nun, I remember. My mum was a nun in it. Yeah. I met my husband. Yeah. And um yeah, it was it was special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's the Lovely. sound of music. Lovely. Thank you. Great choice for the tenth episode. I think so, but I'm looking forward to yours even more. Well, we're doing another classic. What is it, Ruth? It is Lame as Rob. Hey. Mm. So where do I start? I don't know. There's a lot to say. How uh, long did it take you to do your research? <laughs> it took me a long time. Well, I'll tell you why I picked it. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't grow up loving this show. So, like, this is a show that a lot of people love right from childhood, right? Like, Les Mis is just one of those shows that people know. And partly because my parents aren't that into musicals or whatever, mm. it just wasn't a show and it's really not their generation either. So it's just a show that was never played – 
like in the house or anything like that. So it's it's not really a show that I grew up even being that aware of necessarily. I knew all the big songs because people would do them at things. So I knew all the really famous songs, but that's about it. Mm. And I, I actually first saw this show in the community theatre production that when your husband Shane played Marius. Oh, really? That was the first time I ever saw it. So that was about 2001. I think it's before then. I was definitely in early high school. Okay. Yeah, I think like 2001, 2000. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and it, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. And wow. I didn't see it professionally until the most recent Australian um, production. So what was that, 2015? 2013, 2014, okay. somewhere around there. 2014, I think. Clearly I'm not great at dates. <laughs> <laughs> but that was – and that was a show that we did the merchandise for at work and so I actually ended up seeing it. And I have now seen Les Mis more times professionally than any other show. Is that true? I've seen it at last count about 14 times professionally. Oh, yeah. wait. 14 times in how many years? Yeah, in Someone like five or six years. I've seen Shit. it like 14 times. So um, I saw that Australian production a bunch. Yeah, um, you loved that production, right? It was a, it was a great production and um, I saw it. We did So we do the merchandise for this show in a lot of places around the world. So I have literally seen it on Broadway a bunch. I have seen it on the West End a bunch. I have seen it on tour in the US. I've seen it on tour in the UK. Oh, my God. Like in a lot of different places. Yeah. And so have you seen like an amateur production of it? I've seen quite a few. Right. Yeah, I've seen okay. about three or four over oh, the years. Man. Um, uh, but yeah, those, but even like that is separate. Like professionally, I have seen it like a minimum 14 times. Oh. Yeah. So like a lot. And I have to say, <laughs> like considering that's all been in like the last five or six years. Yeah. Imagine if you'd, yeah. I know, imagine if I didn't like the show. <laughs> but also, my appreciation for the show has grown over that 14 times. Yeah, wow. It's, there aren't so many you're shows. not sick of it. No, I'm not sick of it. Yeah. I'm really not. And it is, it is honestly, in my opinion, I think it's the greatest musical ever written. It's not my favourite musical. Oh, uh, yes. But I would argue that it is the greatest musical ever written. Okay, I think I agree with you. Like, like honestly, I, I've, just, I've been really thinking about it this week. Yeah. And there is, I know so many people who are like, I don't like musicals, but I like Les Mis. Yeah. And you, it's like, I'm sorry, you like this three-hour melodrama. That, like, French... why would it be Les yeah. Mis? That's like such a downer of a show and everything. Such but it is because it is like perfect. Like, yeah. I mean, I would argue that like the last half hour is like a little bit much. Yeah. But honestly, aside from that, I think it's basically a perfect show. It's it, There's a reason why it's so well known. Yes. And it's almost cliched now. There's yeah. a reason why, right? There's a reason why. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's very accessible. I yeah. think that the music is just so stirring yeah. and beautiful. And yeah, I, it's just been really interesting coming to it as an adult who already really appreciated and had seen a lot of musical theatre mm. and just seeing it for what it was and being like, oh, yeah, there's a reason Les Mis is Les Mis, yeah. you know. So that's been really interesting. But, yeah, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> Do you know what, and you're probably going to talk about this, what's crazy is that like the book itself, which is a massive, big, mm. like thick tome, that's, you wouldn't, that's not like an easy thing to translate no, to stage. So when no. we talk about like movies that maybe shouldn't have been made into movie into musicals or books that shouldn't be made into musicals, this is definitely it's one enormous. that shouldn't have yeah, been made yeah, into a musical. Exactly. How did they do it? I know. It's insane. It's insane. It is insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so that's really like the background of like why I selected it. Um, so as Josephine just said, it's adapted from Victor Hugo's novel um, from 1862 of the same name, massive novel. So um, Claude Michel Schoenberg wrote the music 
Um, and Alan Bublil and Jean-Marc Nattel wrote the original French lyrics. So, of course, it was written in French originally. Yes. And then Herbert Kretzmer wrote the English lyrics. And he doesn't – it's not the English translation because actually he well, basically rewrote – you couldn't do that, right? No. It's like apparently it's about a third of it is a translation, about a third of it is um, – kind of like a different version of what they're saying but the same thing and then a third of it is like completely new. Yeah, right. So that it is very much like French lyrics and English lyrics is how it's kind of defined. Yeah, right. right? Um, I wonder if the show is very different in French. Like, I know. I wonder what the changes are. Well, I, I, I got, I'll go into a few oh, of great. them. But um, – Interesting. Oh, so I'm not going to do a full synopsis because that would be incredibly um, also so convoluted. Like refer to Wikipedia if you really need it. But basically, it is centered around events leading up to and after the Paris uprising of 1832 and the life of an escaped criminal called Jean Valjean and his quest for redemption. Basically, nice. If you want the actual story, <laughs> look it up on Wikipedia because there are other characters. Lots of other characters <laughs> and lots of things happen. I just the more I'm thinking about it, the more this shouldn't work. Like it's such yeah, a convoluted I book know. and so many characters. And, yeah. Oh. So it was actually originally released as a concept album yeah. in, in, in France and then they decided to turn it into a show and the original French version premieres 24th of September 1980 at the Palais des Sports in Paris, in Paris, which was like a 4,000 seat, so like a massive like stadium theatre, like 4,000 oh. seats and it, it, it did really well there. Um, someone gives the original French concept album to Cameron McIntosh who listens to it and is like, oh, my God, this music is stunning. Mm. So he brings it to the UK with the Royal Shakespeare Company who we talked about with, with the Matilda, Matilda episode. Yeah. Um, and basically together they put it up at the Barbican, which at the time was the RSC's like home in the UK. It's not in London. It's not anymore. Um, What's there now at the Barbican? Uh, the, I know the national – it's, it's kind of like a, just a big venue but yeah. the national definitely performed there quite a bit. Oh, okay, yeah. Like I've seen quite a few national shows there Interesting. over the years. Yeah. it's a big – yeah. Yeah, um, I think it is the Nationals' home. Anyway, hmm. um, the English language version opens on the 9th of October 1985 at the Barbican. It gets terrible reviews. <gasps> so same as Sound of, Music, like Sound of Music, it gets panned, but the audiences love it. Um, yeah, it what transfers critics know? similarly to the Palace Theatre on Ooh. the West End, um, which is where Harry Potter is now. Oh, it's the same nice. theatre. Yeah. Um, and then in 2004, it moves from the Palace Theatre to the Sondheim, well, sorry, the Queen's Theatre, mm -hmm. um, which it was from 2004 to last year to 2019, yeah. at, at which point the theatre gets renovated and is renamed the Sondheim Theatre. Nice. And that's where it was still playing when um, COVID, the COVID lockdown happened. So do the maths for me. How many years is that? So it, so it is the longest running it's the longest running musical on the West on End. On the West End, yes. Um, so it's By been, a long shot, isn't well, it? Well, so it's been running for like 34 years. Mm. Um, yeah, 34 years when it shut down, but 34 and a half or so when it shut down. Yeah. Um, it is the longest running musical on the West End and it is the second longest running musical in the world. The wow. longest was The Fantastics, which of course ran off Broadway for like yeah, wasn't that? 50 years or something. <laughs> With some insane <laughs> amount of time. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like crazy long. Who's going to see the Fantastic? Oh, I, it's not It's not running anymore. No, but I it mean, was, yeah. Was, I saw it. Did you? Yeah, just I'd never seen it. You're cute. It's cute. It was yeah. always really cheap. It's a very cheap show, I think, for them to – it was yeah. cheap for them to keep it running. It was at the Snapple Theatre. Like, literally Snapple, Snapple had bought the rights. Have you ever had Snapple? I think I tried it there. Not relevant, Josephine. No, it was – I didn't like it. No. Um. Wow. Anyway, interestingly, um, so the only Olivier Award it wins, one, 
Oh no! The year that it um, premiered, it's gonna be for something like scenic designers. Isn't was, it? was was well, Patty Lapone won oh, Best yeah, Actress yeah. for Fontaine. Yeah, there were only two nominees for Best Musical that year, Fuck, and it lost. To, it lost to Me and My Girl. Oh well, that no, that makes sense actually. Yeah. Do you love Me and My Girl? No, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> I know some people who love Me and My Girl, but not more than Les Mis. Um. So yeah. So like England, like like critically and like that in that sort of way, it was really. I just would like, love to know successful. like what what was their what did they not like about they it? They literally were like this. Like I can't believe exactly what you said in terms of I can't believe they've taken Victor Hugo's novel and like Turned made this musical. like melodramatic piece of shit kind of thing. And uh, like, it's not mel- melodramatic, but anyway, <laughs> you read the reviews and they are scathing. Oh, I'm gonna make that my nighttime yeah, reading. Definitely. Um. So Broadway opens the 12th of March, 1987. And it runs until the 18th of May, 2003. So that's like a massive run as well. That is still the sixth longest running Broadway show of all time. I wonder why it closed. Look, it's really interesting because there's – so there's been two revivals since it closed in 2003. The first one was only like three years later, three and a half years later, and it was like a touring production that had been doing really well on tour and they're like, we'll take it back to Broadway. So that was um, in – yeah, that was like three and a half years later, so like 2006. It yeah. only lasts like 18 months. It Jeez. doesn't do very well and everyone kind of agrees it's too soon for it yeah. to come back. But once again, like these touring productions do well because they yeah. – Yeah, they're going They're going around the place, yeah. And, yeah. and then it was revived again um, 2014 and that production ran for two years. That's the one okay. that I saw quite a few times. Oh, right. Um, was that the one that the Australian one was based off? Like is that, that – Yeah, so I'll get into that, hmm. sort of. It's not that production. Oh, okay. It is that production but it didn't start on Broadway. Okay. So – um, that original production, 1987, was nominated for 12 Tonys. Was Colm nominated? Yeah, and it won eight. So, <laughs> although Colm didn't win, um, oh. I think I think Colm was nominated. He didn't win. He deserved to win. Um, but the, it won it won Best Musical, yeah. book, score, director, scenic design, lighting design, <sighs> featured actor for Michael Maguire who played Angera yeah. and featured actress for Frances Ruffell who played um, Eponine. Wow. Yeah, so it won a lot. Um, so obviously like very – Accepted in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So then in terms of like significant other sort of things that have happened in the ensuing 30 years. So the 1995 is the 10th anniversary Dreamcast concert at the Royal Albert Hall. What's the opposite of an egg shaker? Yeah. What can I do to like. <laughs> this was just like Josephine's like favorite thing in the it's world. Just, it's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Ever. Um, so 2010 brings this new production which has no turntable. So obviously the original production has this iconic turntable that is the barricade, part of the set. Yeah. And um, but instead uses like projections um, that are based on Victor Hugo's own paintings, which by the way are beautiful, these projections. Yeah. And like he was quite a beautiful yeah. artist. Yeah. Um, and then so I think a lot of people think that that is the 25th anniversary concert that, you know, was filmed and released on DVD. But actually like it was kind of like that was sort of based on this new version yeah. so there's there's an there's a cd that's the live 2010 version and then there's the dvd which is the concert yeah so like the the, the, the cd different. is like i think john owen jones is um is valjean whereas obviously it's alfie bow on the 25th anniversary etc cetera, etc cetera. like they're yeah. actually different things yeah um so that was at the o2 like big arena um that same year um did then you like that the, the 25th concert? yeah the concert or the like new version? Both. 
Um, I love that concert. I love like everyone but Nick Jonas. I hate that concert. Do you? Just I that's because it. you just love the Dreamcast so much. I just don't know why we can't just keep watching that, the Dreamcast. Because it is the Dreamcast. Yeah, I like. I kind of wish we had the Dreamcast in as good an audio and video quality as we do the 25th anniversary. I yeah. think that's a big part of it for me. Yeah, um, I hear that. Yeah. I think that the cast for the 10th anniversary is pretty sublime. Flawless. Yeah. Even Michael Ball. Yeah. Um, so then 2012 brings the film. So <laughs> directed by Tom Hooper and starring, as everyone knows, Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe. Um, it won three Oscars, which I didn't sort of realise. Oh, did it? Yeah, including obviously Best Supporting Actress for Anne Hathaway as Fontaine. Why would you say obviously? Everyone knows that she won. Yeah, but it's not obvious that she should have, right? <laughs> yeah, Josephine hates the film. <laughs> um, it had a budget of $61 million and it grossed $441 million worldwide. Holy like fuck. it was an incredibly successful film. I actually didn't quite realise how successful it was. Well, everyone went to see it, right? Like everyone yeah. just went to check it out. Yeah. And hated Interestingly, it. I've been thinking about my feelings about the film and I think that it's a shame that some of the performances are the way they are mm. because I actually think that filmically they've done quite a good job in terms of the way that it's shot yep. and the way that in a way that they've like condensed the musical into a film. Mm. It's just that, I mean, yes, I'm never going to be able to in any way appreciate Russell Crowe's performance, unfortunately. No. Um, and I actually, like, I actually really like Hugh Jackman as a performer. I don't think he's a good Valjean. But I no. don't think he was right for Valjean. It. No. I, it's like, it's like a weird like, I can't really, who was the key, good? The keys are changed and. Yeah, like who who sung it well? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I don't think I anyone don't... really was suited to their part. Yeah, and even film. so, like, even like, let's take like um, Aaron Tveit plays Angera. Yeah. Like, I love Aaron Tveit. Oh, he's got a beautiful voice. But I also, voice. like, don't necessarily think he's an Angera. Like, no. there's just lots of weird things. I don't, I like Eddie Redmayne as an actor a lot. And I actually think that he acts Marius quite well, but he sounds like Kermit. Yeah. And, like, there's just lots of kind of, like, little issues. I think that's a big issue for a musical, though. Yeah. You should have good singers. Especially when it's, like, all sung through sung, <laughs> yes. as we say. That's right. Yeah. So that's the movie. Um we shan't talk any more about it. Yay. So um, in 2019, um, yeah, so that Broadway revival was that production, that okay. new version. The 2010 that one was the, yes. Yeah, the one in 2006 was that like a, a touring version of the original production, so with the turntable and everything. Yeah, yeah, and then they re, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then the 2014 one was this new version mm. um, with all the projections. So um, until – Last year, the one that was running at the Queen's was still the original production with the turntable. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, so because it, it had never closed, right? Um, and then, and I have to say, having seen both, and I've seen it in London a couple of times. I actually went to, I was literally a couple of weeks after I moved to London for work was the 30th anniversary, which was a massive deal. Mm. Um, and I got to go to that yeah. where like the original cast came out and sang at the end and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see Colm sing. I know. Oh my God. Like Patty was there. Like it was, yeah. Oh. Um, and, but what they, what they changed last year was that the original production at the Queens closed. They moved next door to the Gilgood Theatre mm. and did a concert version for a few months, which is... Is that the one we saw? The one we saw that um, they... I think you can um, pay to stream it online yeah, yeah. at the moment. Um, and This is a bit of a disaster. It was... Well, interestingly, I've been thinking about that and I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Okay, yeah. But um, the, the thing I think with that is that actually 
we just kind of had a bit of an issue with, again, like Michael Ball, I think is very talented, but I don't think Terrible he was right for Javert. Javert. Mm. I, I, like, you remember we were talking about this in a previous episode about like tenors and baritones and stuff like yes. that. Is it's like Michael Ball, Ball is a proper tenor. Yeah. And the tone of his voice is incorrect for yes, Javert. Javert is a barry. You should like, have, you should have depth. Yes. In your voice. And it was just, and it's like, he sounds great when he sings Marius because that's yeah. like right for his voice, you but, know? Yeah. It's it so was, true. It was interesting, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that that concert in a second. But, um, yeah, so so after the Queen's version closed, they've now renovated that theatre and it, it has reopened as the Sondheim and they're doing the new version now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is so it with, like, the same cast that it It, had, it basically like... had the same cast and everything. I think the orchestra's quite a bit smaller. Oh, right. Um, and there's been other changes. Obviously, the, the set the is quite different. Changed, so yeah. there would be a lot of changes in, like, how much personnel are required for mm. – Sage crew and stuff like that, and, and it is like a different production. So the... there would be different um, in terms of how they're paying, like yeah, the rights right. and stuff like that. There's lots of changes. Um, I believe it still counts as an open-ended run, even though the production changed. Do you think after, like, once theatre reopens after COVID, that would still be an open-ended run? Yes. So actually, someone asked me this the other day. Someone texted me, and I do believe it will be because all of Broadway and the West End shut down. Yeah, it's not like anything it's, else. It's is not going. like it. Sh- it decided to shut for a period and then reopen. Yes, like good. because everything did. And you know, we talked about before about longest running is to do with number of performances. That's right. It's so not it's like- not like they're counting this like you know six months or whatever that things yes. are shut as a period of time that it's open. So. Yes, I believe it will all just okay, continue good. on as if, oh, yeah. I hope so. Um, so, yeah, so that's um, quite big. So, unfortunately, there is now nowhere in the world that you can see that original production. Um, that's, just, that's sad, actually. It is sad. It is sad. And there are um, differences between the original production and the and the new one. Can you and, still license the original production, do you reckon? Well, it's – Oh, that's you mean in terms of so there's there was cuts made to the um the new one not a lot but some yeah. cuts it's actually mostly tempos that have changed like yeah. it's a lot quicker yeah uh, the new version um I do, I doubt it I doubt oh. you could I mean but then do you think that do you miss some of the content do you miss little people I love little people <laughs> do you I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of the like this new revised yeah um so maybe yeah maybe i miss little people uh, and do you think it was but do you think it was the um the content that you weren't a fan that you no i think it was just the production that i saw yeah 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 um so in terms of the differences between the french version and the london version oh yes please so one interesting thing is that in france like that original Victor Hugo um, novel is so like quintessentially French. Like it's like everyone in France has to have read it that the entire prologue didn't exist. So that like beginning 14 minutes of the show was not, not in the original well, French production. the French people don't need They're like, preamble. well, we can just start halfway through the story. Who cares? So they true. know what's going on. <gasps> I love that. Yeah, so the prologue was written <laughs> for the UK version. That And that like one of Valjean's best songs. So Bring Him Home <laughs> was written for Colm. Oh, Colm. Um, so like Bring Him Home wasn't in it originally either. And it's also interestingly, of course, because of course Lame is is like full of musical motifs, right? It's a lot of the same yep. music again and again. So actually Bring Him Home is is like one of the only moments in the show where that music is not in any of the rest of the show. Yeah. And it actually really does make it stand out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was written for Colm. It was written for his voice. Colm Wilkinson were, of course, referring to the original Jean Valjean. The um, only 
Jean Valjean. And he, so, yeah, so he was the original Jean Valjean. And on Broadway and the West End. Right? Yeah, so on the West End, he moves to Broadway. So does Francis Ruffell, who played yes. Eponine. They're the only two. Yeah. Um, so um, one thing I will say is that he, in the film, and I actually think this is one of my favourite moments in the film. I cried. But Colm plays the bishop in the as film. As soon as, because I hated everything else about the film, but as soon as Colm came out and that, in that very early scene yeah. as the bishop, I just lost it. Yes. And he's great as he's the great bishop. He's great as the bishop. He's really great. Surprisingly, because that's quite a low role. Yeah. And Colm's got a lovely tenor voice. Yeah. Um, and um, Francis Raffel plays one of the prostitutes apparently. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2009, of course, Susan Boyle causes a worldwide sensation singing <laughs> I Dreamed a Dream. On I love that you're mentioning Prince. this. Well, it was like, it, like not only, like Patti LuPone's original single like charted again. Oh, after, shit. Like, th- really? This was enormous, this. like, And what it did, like I remember there was a whole marketing campaign after there was like Dream the Dream. Like wow. that song, like, it really did revitalise the I show I didn't realise it had such way. cultural impact. Yes, exactly. Susan exactly. Boyle, yeah. bringing it back. And I'm, I, I. I heard something once where apparently like I think it was like Claude Michel was like um, quoted in some interview that was basically like to him like Susan Boyle like was Fontaine. Aww. Like like to him, like she's like the quintessential Fontaine kind of thing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I thought that was really lovely. Because she's um, what, down and out? Yeah, and just kind of I think, yeah, just like that like real kind of like hopeless. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I have to say if you um, like that song, we've talked about Forbidden Broadway before that does the parody versions. Oh, I think yeah. it's called – I. I dreamed a song or something like that. Yes. I can't remember the exact title, but there's this line in it that's like, I didn't sing one song, then die, oh. which I just think is such a good line. It's because poor Fontaine. Yeah, it's such a good line. I dreamed a show. It's called I Dreamed a Show. I dreamed a show. show. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think I said this when you did the confrontation in one of our mixtape episodes, yeah. but I do want to reiterate to people again that two YouTube clips that you have to watch <laughs> is um, – uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Mother are on some talk show and they do the confrontation yes, and it's, it's very great. Good. Yeah. And the other one is um, uh, Joshua Colley who played Gavroche in the Broadway revival was one of the two little Gavroches, does like the youngest ever Jean Valjean as like an at the um, Easter bonnet fundraiser doing, doing the confrontation yes. and it is so good. Yeah, right. It is so good. We'll link it. A <laughs> um, couple of things I wanted to talk about. One is the evol- – like I think Les Mis is a really great great example of – and we talked a little bit about this in sort of in the Little Shop episode where the way performers have evolved over the certain years is the type of performers they get to play roles. Mm. Um, yep. And like my feeling like with Little Shop is like someone like Ellen Green would never be cast as Audrey today, yeah. right? And it, I think we've really seen a similar thing happen with this show in particular. I think it's the same with Jesus Christ. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and what I've really seen happen is like younger, hotter Valjeans. Like I feel like Valjean <laughs> used to be kind of like. Yeah, why is Valjean now like 30? Yeah, they've really gone quite a bit younger with yeah. it. And because I think there came Are you saying Colm isn't hot? Colm's great, but I mean Colm's like this like Welsh like kind of, you know. Um, Bearded, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I really feel like and even with Javert a little bit, like yeah. it depends on the production. Well, who's that guy in the in that concert? Well, was it you know that version that we watched? Yeah. And he was so he maybe he played Enjolras. Yeah. And he went on to play Javert. That's right. He was like playing Javert smoking. And still is, yeah. Um, but similarly with Marius like Michael Ball obviously was Marius and you know in yeah. sort of the quintessential Marius for a long time right 
and like boyishly good looking, like that sort of thing. Mm. But what sort of really morphed into one, I think Nick Jonas in the 25th was sort of the, the, the reason for this was like was let's turn him into singer. a bit of a pinup boy, like oh. boy bandy kind of. Oh. Don't don't you think like they, they became like, – like I feel like the guy who played it here was that way and just very kind of – I actually think the trend that I've noticed is that Marius has just become weaker and weaker. Like he's yeah, just like weak. a bit of a like um, – Just a, like bit a of a wet sock. blanket kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because that is not how he used to be portrayed at no, all. No, no. Um, and similarly, like, think about how Francis Ruffell sounds yeah. for Eponine. And I actually think, like, if you're someone who's used to listening to, like, Samantha Bach sing it or whoever, mm. and you go back and listen to that original Broadway or original London cast, yes. you'll be like, oh, my God, that's not how I expected Eponine well, to sound. But this is like when I commented about Samantha Bach's voice, It it's not that's not what on my own should sound like. Yeah. To, to me. It just but shouldn't even, sound like but that. But even, like. Leia Salonga, who I love, yeah. that's still obviously a very clean non-character sound compared to Francis Ruffell. Oh, yes. Like I wonder when that shift happened. Like when did Francis – It would have been very early, yes, right? Yes. Like, like yeah. it just – it almost seems like they like had Eponine as this really kind of like angsty, yeah. that sort of character and then immediately moved away from it. And then she just became more legit. Yeah. yeah. I just think that's really interesting. And similarly, so obviously Alfie Bow has done – Jean Valjean in concert, mm. and he did it on Broadway as well. Yeah, a, a few times. And I'm interested in your opinion on like a classical sound for Jean Valjean compared to. No. Yeah, I hate it. It's like to me, it's like when we talk about having a classical Jesus. Um, it just shouldn't happen. Like you need to have that grunt in Jean Valjean's voice. He has to sound like he has been in prison for 19 years. Yeah. Like, and Alfie Bow is just, it's too polished. He's got a beautiful voice, yeah. like stunning. But he is not a Jean Valjean, yeah. and that sh- I shouldn't have happened in my opinion. I I quite I quite I obviously love his voice. His voice is stunning, and yeah. like for example, he sings "Bring Him Home" beautifully. It's, for it, example, but I think that's the thing. It's just it's just beautiful, right? Like, it's not. It's not yeah, like there's not enough grunt there for it, you. It's also there's not enough like gravitas. I would say mm, like it's just not. Yeah. I don't mind it for these concert versions. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of get it. Yeah. Like in the same way that they'll often do like opera singers in like Sweeney Todd and things like that. Like I yeah. get that it's like a bit different in a concert version to in a show. But in a show, yeah. I really want someone with proper grunt. Have you seen Alfie Bow in the in like a show? No, I haven't. I wonder how he is as an actor. Yeah, I don't I know. Because I know in that concert, he's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I've said – so – um. I've seen John, John Owen Jones, um, who's done it quite a bit over the years, Killian yeah. Donnelly, um, Ramin Karimlu, like they were all excellent, yeah. really excellent. Yeah. Um, so one thing I want to talk about, like I know we haven't been doing this, but I think we should talk about our dream casts for Les Mis. <gasps> and I don't mean like. Can it be the 10th anniversary dream cast? <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean like if you could pick oh, okay, like yep. people who've already played the roles, yes. like who you would put together yep. today. Okay. Yeah, so I can talk about mine first if you yeah. want. Well, yeah. let's go character by character. I've only just really done the main, main characters. I think I could do this, yeah. Yeah, so I'm ready. I'm going to assume that Colm is your Jean Valjean. He is. Yeah. For me, Sweet Roman Krimloo is the best I've ever seen. Now, again, that is quite a different playing of that role. Yes. Um, I've, as uh, a friend of ours would say, I am a sucker for a straight tone. Like, oh, yeah. He just, and, like, <laughs> he just has one of those voices that is, like, out of this world high yeah. and can just hit that C or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Um, He's missing the grunt I. for me. Huh? He's missing the grunt. 
Oh, he has so much grunt. I can't tell you. I know, but I wish there was. I wish I could show you like actual footage of him doing it. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's some bootlegs, but he's like... definitely also like physically perfect for the role. Like, well, he's, but he's quite like I, he like beefed fully up, right? Beefed up yeah, for the role. like became obsessed with bodybuilding, like doing this show. I mean, he looked like he'd been doing hard labor for yes. 19 years. You could believe he could lift a car. <laughs> Which, yeah, is exactly what he should. Yeah. But no, Colm for me. Yeah. It, 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 it's Philip Quast for me as Javert. 100%. Yeah. It has He's to be Philip Quast. such an amazing Javert. It will always be Philip Quast. Yeah. And like I will say, like I am kind of, there is quite a few 10th anniversary people okay. that I have gone back to. Like, it's Ruthie Henshaw, right? It's Ruthie right? Henshaw as Fontaine. She... Although I have to say, um, was it Carrie Hope Fletcher that we saw in that recent concert? She was, she was beautiful. really beautiful. And that was quite a different imagining of yes. Fontaine. I really enjoyed her take on it. I also liked that obviously in the 10th anniversary, the, these actors were quite a bit older than maybe when they originally played it. So Fontaine, like Ruthie Henshaw, wasn't a young, young woman. No. And... Um, Fontaine's supposed to be quite young. Yeah. She's not supposed to be in her 30s. No. So I liked seeing her super young, but Ruthie Henshaw is, she's it for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So she's a proper triple threat. Oh, another one. She, Just like Sutton, Sutton Foster and Ruthie Henshaw. Yes, correct. Yeah. Do you remember that Ruthie poster that yeah, you had? Yeah, so um, for a bit of background, <laughs> um, so Ruthie Henshaw is one of the only people I think who's played both Velma and, and Roxy, Roxy in Chicago on both the West End and Broadway, yeah. I believe. Just imagine, though, like a person who can play Roxy and Velma and Fontaine in Les Yes, Mis. yes, 100%. Like, Crazy. I know, she's so talented. Anyway, like when I first went to London, um, like when I was about 11 um, and – no, sorry, this was this is when I went when I was 15, sorry. Um, so I'd already seen Starlight Express as an 11-year-old. <laughs> this is when I went a bit later. And we landed in London and um, and Chicago, um, she was she had just gone back into – so Chicago was still running um, in London. But she'd just come back to it. She'd come she? back to it. And so I went and saw that, saw her as Velma. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and all these posters were everywhere. Like when I landed at Heathrow just saying Ruthie is back in big letters <laughs> and I, like, collected all these I like, remember you had it on your bedroom and door. and posters that said yeah. Ruthie is back everywhere. Which Because, like, Ruth isn't exactly the most common name. No, and we people. call you Ruthie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was just, like, very exciting for me. Um, yeah, Ruthie, good choice. Yes. So then, interestingly, I've gone with – so, yeah, so, like – and I would also go with Leia Salonga as Eponine from the 10th anniversary. I agree. I have to say I really did love that Carrie Ann Greenland who we saw in Australia. Yes. I really loved her. Yep, she was excellent. Um, but, and then, like, my last two, like, Marius and Angera, I've gone with the two that were in that most recent concert version. Thank you. Me too. Yeah, so I think it's Rob um, Houchen or, or Houchen um, is Marius. And I so he was in the cast when they did the 30th anniversary. So when I was living there in, like, oh, 2015, yeah. he, was, he was Marius in the cast. He and, was excellent. And they brought him back for this concert version. And I remember seeing him at the time being like, that is by far the best Marius I've ever seen. I just – Very Marius strong. never a standout character no. for me. And he but really – he was. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I loved him. And this guy, Bradley Jaden, as Angera, who I'd never seen before, um, but like you said, was so he was playing Javert – at the Queens, mm. they took him. They he previously played on um, and so they made him on for the concert. And then he it, um, once it reopened at the same time, he was playing Javert again. That it blows my mind because he was an excellent on excellent and like so hot. It also doesn't like it's not like those two. I think are interchangeable. Sort of like well, if you can play on you can play a Javert. That's not a no. natural conclusion. No, to me. if anything, I think people have kind of moved from on into like Valjean. Yeah. Definitely. Well, they're they're. The ranges that that's match right. up a little better. Yeah. yeah, he is so hot. Like obviously, Ramin Karimlu 
is Angerard in the 25th anniversary, yes. for example. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has and that range. And then went on to play Valjean. I do think that Michael Maguire is a bit iconic as Angerard. Interestingly, I didn't realise, but he, like, ha- didn't really have much of a career. No. It was kind of like this won a Tony yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. He's also, oh, I thought he might have been on, like, daytime TV I think he maybe. did do a bit of TV afterwards. He's got that yeah. sort of face. Yeah. 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 He is pretty iconic. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I, we watched that concert version and I loved him. Yeah. He was and very he really, impressive. his voice was, like, pristine as well. That lovely, like, ponytail He look. had, like, a little man bun yeah, going on yeah. and I was into it. He was great. Man bun ingerie, we called him, in I fact. I think I followed him on Instagram yeah. as a result. And him and, him and, like, Rob Halton are, like, best friends in real That's life so as well. Yeah, because you can see Marius and Angerai on yeah. stage really have chemistry. I really loved that. It was cute. Yeah. So anyway, that's like – I would you pick – who would you pick as Marius and Angerai, do you think? Yeah, that that is exactly yeah. – I just didn't know their names. Interesting. Uh, they were so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, they were – So I recommend – what I was going to say about that concert is like I actually really loved a lot of the supporting – yeah, roles? it was just the the, the, the the young people in particular were excellent, and yeah, Fontaine was excellent. Yeah, she I was wasn't great. a big fan of the Eponine though. No, I I wasn't either. Um, and what else did I not like? Well, the um, we weren't huge fans of the Tenardiers. I don't think either. No. Yeah, that's something actually in terms of because the Tenardiers, I forget about them. The um. I hated what's the guy from Little Britain? Matt Lucas. Oh, I hated that. Yeah. Like, uh, what? What now? What is the guy's name from? It's Alan, Alan Armstrong. Alan Armstrong. Yeah, and he, Jenny Galloway. They are amazing. They're incredible. Alan Armstrong, who's who's actually, I think he's on a lot of British like TV yeah, procedurals. I think so. Yeah, he has a beautiful voice, and when he sings "Dog Eat Dog," I know it's fascinating to think about. Like, because for example, like I don't like hate hate Matt Lucas as Tenardier, but he's vocally not can't very sing it. But Tenardier is yeah. not just a comedic no. role. You have to be able to sing. And when – if someone really kills Dog Eat Dog, like, vocally, it really makes a difference. Oh, I think it brings the house down. So yeah. when you – like, when you see Master of the House and it's hilarious and whatever, so you see Alan Armstrong do that and then later on in the show you see him do Dog Eat Dog yeah. and you were like, oh, shit, he oh, can I di- sing. I didn't talk about Cosette, but, like, Judy Kuhn, I think, is probably the person I would pick. I, it's kind of She's a nothing role. she got that role. beautiful voice. Yeah, like, it's kind of a nothing role. I love her, though. Like, in, <sighs> she was incredible in Fun Home. Her voice. Yeah. Um – but yeah, that's like sort of my dream cast. Um, I love that idea. I just sort of like I figure we have we know enough about different. Yeah. Interestingly, I actually didn't realize this, but because you know Norm Lewis plays Javert yeah. in the 25th anniversary, but he was Javert in the Broadway revival, like oh, in 2006. Yeah, I didn't know that. I love Norm Lewis and Celia Keenan Bolger, who we love um, from Spelling from Bee. Spelling Bee was um, she was Eponine. Oh yeah, yeah, and Daphne Rubin Vega from Rent was Fontaine. I can't imagine that. I know. Oh no, I can't. She's got such an like. A unique sounding yeah. voice. Yeah, I know. Do you know who my most hated Eponine is? Oh, okay. Is Leah Michelle? What? What's she Eponine in? Just on Glee? No, she went to just this is before Spring Awakening. She was Eponine. Oh, like on Broadway. On Broadway. Oh, interesting. And I hate her. Well, she's been cancelled. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Leah Michelle's cancelled. Yeah, because she's a bad person. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so gateway songs. Ooh, okay. So just the whole thing. I've picked four. That is actually very restrained of you. Yes. <laughs> but I think I've picked the right four. Okay. Let me, okay, let so me judge you. So if you didn't know the show, yeah. these are the four I would tell you to listen to. Obviously One Day More. Definitely. Which is like one of the best songs ever written in musical theatre. One yeah. of the greatest act one closes ever. I yeah. mean, there's just so many things. Um, Bring Him Home. Maybe. Oh. I'll put it on my maybe okay. pile. 
Um, on my own, I know that you're sick of it, but it is an incredible song. Maybe. <laughs> and Do You Hear <laughs> the People Sing is the other song I've selected. Okay. I would have said Who Am I? But, like, I just don't think, like, if you're listening to the show for the first time, you need to listen to Who Am I. Like, to me, Who Am I is a song that you appreciate, like, once you love the show. And what about the confrontation? Again, I just, there's (laughs) songs that you should listen to once you know and love the show. And what about, I don't even know what it's called, but when the Toff attacks Fontaine. It's like Fontaine's Arrest, I think is the song. I love Fontaine's Arrest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I'm talking specifically about songs yeah. like I've never listened to Les Mis before. Yeah. What are going to be my gateway songs? No, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Like t- like all those songs are so So you good. reckon On My Own over I Dreamed a Dream? Yeah, I do. That's interesting. Yeah. Because uh, to me, I Dreamed a Dream is is the the female ballad of the mm, show. Interesting. So Yeah, no, I would pick On My Own. I think On My Own is a, I don't know about better song. On My Own is such a good song though. Like it is such an mm. iconic, like yeah, teenage, it is. like ingenue, so angsty, so angsty, love. like yeah. amazingly angsty. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's what I reckon. And do you hear the people sing? Such a simple song. It's so short though. Yeah, it's just like over. I know. Just as soon as it and like, begins, like no harmonies or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. What's the one that I random? I think Dog Eat Dogs the one I really randomly like. <laughs> What's the worst song? Turning. Yeah, well, the, I don't like the one that the Tenardiers do at the wedding. Oh, yeah, Beggars at the Feast? Yes. Do you know what else I love? I love Drink With Me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. But I think because usually um, Grantaire has a really beautiful voice. Yes, that's true. I love a Grantaire. Oh, Grantaire. I feel like Grantaire's the character that you sort of um, like randomly fall in love with. Totally. Yeah. Well, because he loves a little, you know, he's a, yeah. like a father figure to a little boy yeah. and yeah. he's sad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, my only comment before is, like, aside from thinking this is a perfect show, I will say that, like, the last 15 minutes I'm just, like, does this need to be here? But what about the epilogue? The epilogue's beautiful. Like, I'm, like, cut oh, from. Oh, yeah, wedding. Cut from, like. Empty chairs. Yes. To the epilogue. Yeah. Cut all that in the middle. Cut it all. Yeah, I agree with that. I just don't care. We don't need it. Don't need it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah. But the epilogue, stunning. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. And I love that version of Do You Hear the People Sing that they do as like, yes. yeah. Do you remember in the 10th anniversary concert when they had like all the Valjeans from yes, all the productions? Like 17 Valjeans or something. Oh, it was so beautiful. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Just go and buy yourself the DVD. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what the 10th anniversary concert. On Spotify. You um, know, for a while, like not many were. Yeah. They like disappeared. There was this random thing where they like, all got taken off except the film soundtrack. I, I was felt like, like it was propaganda. I did too. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. And I thought it was maybe because they were – because they're about to release that concert version. Yeah, right. Um, but also like don't make me listen to the movie soundtrack. No. I don't want to hear that. So on Spotify you can listen to the movie soundtrack. Hmm. You can also listen to the original London cast. The original Broadway cast doesn't seem to be on there. Hmm. Um, the 10th anniversary Dreamcast yeah, is on is. there. Um the 2010 live recording, which is that UK recording yes. touring version, which is John Owen Jones, who, who's great, by the way. Yes. So if you want to listen to the new orchestrations, that's, that's the way there. to listen to it. 2010, yeah. Yep. Because obviously that 25th anniversary. It's still the old version. Um, well, no, the 25th, yeah, the 10th anniversary is the old version. Yeah. Um, so the 25th anniversary concert is not 
on it's not a CD. No, it's not available just as an DVDs audio. It's only it? the DVD. Yeah. So um, and then the other thing that's available is the complete symphonic recording. Oh really? Which I don't know. If, it's actually the only version that's like the enti- the full entire thing. Oh wow! And it actually that that was an interesting one because. For a while there, he was just going to record the Australian cast at the time because it was like just after it had been to Australia in the late eighties. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and so there's actually quite a few Australian like like Philip Quast is obviously in it. Yeah, but like Warlow is on oh, really? Anthony Warlow, and like Normie De- Rowe was Valjean, wasn't he? No, it's Colm. Oh, yeah, and Michael Ball is Mario. Oh, right, okay. Um, uh, and then um, Deborah Byrne is Fontaine. Oh, Deborah Byrne, which a lot of Fontaine. people say. She like sings it better than anyone. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. People say that like it's like a, it's like a yeah you know urban legend kind of yeah. thing. But she's like sings I Dream Dream better than anyone in the world. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was That's really interesting. Cool. So yeah, complete symphonics on there as well. If you really want to like immerse yourself in like dive in deep. Yeah, and who wouldn't? Exactly. I think if you're a person who's maybe um, maybe you're a bit of a musical theater renegade and you think it's cool to not like lame is. You're wrong. Yeah. Because I think there is like maybe a trend where it's like, oh, Les Mis is so like, well, that's an old person's musical. You know, I have to say, I think people lump it in because it was one of the first like mega musicals. Yeah, like, it's basically shouldn't... like Cats is the first mm. one and then it's Les Mis. And then like comes. Phantom. Yes, and... exactly. Because yeah. Phantom's only a year later. Yeah. But you shouldn't so, lump it in with those. No, it is like, it really stands on its own, I yes. think, in comparison to a lot of the other mega musicals. Yeah. And even like for me, like, I think it's. I think it's a far better show than Miss Saigon, for example, their follow-up show. There's no comparison. Yeah, no like, comparison. There's just Maybe it, it's as good as Martin Gare. <laughs> <laughs> or the Pirate Queen. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it really is such a good show. And yeah. in my opinion, probably, Perfect. especially, like, when we took modern musicals, like, after the Golden Age, yeah. like, I would say, yeah. What, are there, some, are there some before in the Golden Age that you love? No, but I'm just saying, like, like I would bet there'd be people that argue Sound of Music's the greatest musical of all time. Do you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, fair. like I feel like it's a whole kind of different. Like, the Golden Age is its own sort of genre. Of, yes, I would. Of when I would totally hear that. People talk about great musicals, and also like there weren't a whole bunch of through sung musicals. No, like sort of Jesus Christ started. Well, like you said, Tommy started opera, yeah. off, and then yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, whereas now it's super common. Very common. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Hamilton. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so that's Lame Is. Oh, my gosh. Lame Is. I was really looking forward to that and you did not disappoint. Excellent. I am glad. There was a lot to fit in. How did you do it? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. I, I tried not to stop and watch clips of things. Oh, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I just listen to it a lot. <laughs> I keep expecting to like look down at my watch and we've been here for six hours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about Lame Is for six hours. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What a great show. Good so one. yeah. How are we going to top that? I know. What will episode 11 be? Ooh, you'll <laughs> have to come back and find out. Yes. Uh, so this has been my favourite musical, the uh, podcast. The podcast. Um, like. Rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Share, please share it. Yeah. Maybe give us a review That'd if be you're great. feeling generous. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and I'll see you next week, Josephine. I'll see you next week, Ruth. Bye. Bye. Bye.